And over time, the cracks began to form with this premises. And I mean that physically, and I also mean that in terms of, we saw that there were some integrity challenges, let's put it that way. And things that were promised were not delivered. Things that were agreed never came to fruition. And we had to make a very tough decision about that premises. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Every L Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Every Old Podcast, where every year is not a loss. And I am so fortunate to be in a position where I can have various guests come on and tell us stories about their lives, where they felt like they were in the depths of despair, wasn't happy the direction their life was going in, and express and explain the emotions, the thought processes of what they were going through at the time, and then tell us what happened at the end of it, what they gained from those scenarios. Because I think some of us, when we're living those situations, which we probably live very frequently, if we're honest with ourselves, don't actually see that sometimes what we're in is not our forever. And it's very hard to remember that at the time. So I think having guests being willing to come on and share these stories is so important and to obviously acknowledge them and to thank them for allowing me to have this time with them, for them to share their content with us so that I can then share it with you guys so thank you very much to my wonderful guests that i've gone before and thank you very much to my current guest zara who i've known for oh my gosh wow it's like 20 years more than 20 years oh my gosh yeah she still looks as good as the day i ever met her so like she's a fantastic human being she is just so knowledgeable. She's so kind hearted. She's determined. She, she knows what she wants. She gets what she wants because she puts the work in. I've known her husband since school days. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. Let's, let's leave that one alone. However, I'm very fortunate to have her on because she's just an amazing woman. And I just can't wait to hear what she has to share because I know it's going to be impactful and She's just done amazing things. So before I go on any further, Zara, would you like to introduce yourself in a way that you see fit and divulge whatever you feel comfortable divulging about your marital status and so forth? Hello, everyone. I am Zara. I am the founding director of a company called Love Literacy. In fact, we celebrate 10 years this year. So Congratulations. Thank you. It's a wonderful milestone that we've hit. And I am a wife to a wonderful man by the name of Kali Janelle. I'm a mother to two great children, Ebony, Grace, and Elijah. And really, by profession, by trade, I'm a teacher. But um, kind of over the years, I have transitioned into also becoming an entrepreneur, which um, I'm really proud of. I really enjoy. And that's me. Amazing. Trust me, she scaled back quite a lot on this. She's very modest as well. Absolutely amazing human being. I'm just so gas that I actually know her to be fair but what we're going to do as we do with all our episodes we're going to go in and talk about L's that people have experienced in their life and what happened during that time so the first L that I would like to talk about that she sent over again I didn't know what it was prior to getting it through I haven't looked into it any further if the first L is pandemic causing business closure so I understand you have a business love literacy the pandemic happened globally Lots of businesses went under, a lot of businesses suffered, suffered, and some of them actually thrived. Your business sounds like it wasn't one of those businesses that thrived initially. So do you want to take us from the beginning of when things kind of went left instead of right with your business because of the pandemic? Sure. And thank you, Matt, for having me on. I will say that 
So I run a tuition intervention provision and prior to the pandemic, it was very much face to face. So I only had one student online and that was because he had moved to Kent and his parents really wanted me to still support him. But actually everybody else was face to face. And the news began to ramp up in terms of this pandemic or sorry, this uh, virus and how serious it was. and. I like to be decisive and I like to make clear decisions and inform my clients and customers kind of well and ahead of time. And so we were grappling with the government don't seem to be making a decision, but we really need to to do so. And so we actually got ahead of the announcement and we shut our service, I would say about two days prior to the lockdown. And It was a very strange experience because my passion and my love for teaching and imparting and being with my students suddenly came to a standstill. And I remember feeling a little bit unsure about what we would do. Obviously, we paused people's subscriptions. We had informed our local community centre And after a few days, I discovered this thing called Zoom, as did (laughs) the world. And somebody said, just take it, it was a a, a Caribbean man, said, just take it online, take it online, do it. And it was a completely new concept for me. And so I just began sending information to parents and, and on social media that I was running free classes, free English classes. And I ran, I would say, maybe seven or eight free classes for secondary school students, for primary students, creative writing, English language analysis. And we just began to run these free classes and troubleshoot. Okay, got to make sure you mute, got to make sure you share screen. And we were literally kind of on the job learning how to do education virtually. And how do we do it the love literacy way? How do we make sure that our parents aren't receiving a second class service? How do we ensure that we are still seeing our students, engaging with them, making them feel that they are part of the learning process? So that two weeks was just fully intense and exhilarating and frightening and overwhelming, but a really amazing opportunity for us. And we thought, Right, let me not stop here. Let me not just rely on me as a teacher communicating with my students through a screen. I want to be able to see their work. I want to be able to market and offer feedback. And so I contacted a web developer and she built us a learning portal. You know, like when you go to university and upload your documents and you she built one of those for us and it was just incredible because now not only could we teach our students and have that uh, interaction virtually but we could also mark and offer feedback and look at their presentation and all sorts fantastic and so therein was birthed a whole new provision and we were able to employ staff from abroad Uh, So we had staff based in the Caribbean. We were able to tutor children in Ireland, in the Midlands. And pretty much overnight or in the space of two to four weeks, we had literally built an online service after having this major closure and this major sense of loss and uncertainty. That's so interesting because the way you just summarized that in such a succinct way makes you feel like my girl had it like you just knew what you're doing but I would like to think just like myself you're watching the news you're seeing what people are seeing you're hearing what people are hearing and you're thinking it feels like it's going to go a certain direction but I don't I can't see I can't see things shutting down but at the same time why am I putting myself and family and other people at risk but you took the jump and said nah not risking it closures pausing subscription, pausing the classes, pausing everything, knowing full well your gas, your electricity, everything else is not pausing. How did you deal with that? Because don't get me wrong, decisiveness is cool, but a little bit of you 
correct me if I'm wrong, might have felt a way going, I'm really taking a huge gamble here because from the sounds of it, Zoom wasn't even a concept of offering an online service. So you're literally living on whatever reserves you've got to hold out for the foreseeable. Yeah, absolutely. I think, to be honest, more than the financial loss and more than the kind of me thinking from a business perspective, it was it was the loss of engagement. Yeah. It was the loss of purpose. Well, if this closes, what's my purpose then? What am I meant to do? Because my purpose is to educate. My purpose is to teach. My purpose is to enlighten. My purpose is to inspire. How do I do that in the four walls and the constraints of my home? And I think that was what was most concerning I think it was what spurred me on to have a go at this online thing have a go at this thing called zoom which felt so foreign and so (laughs) difficult I mean at once one time we had about 25 students on a zoom call it was just trying to manage telling it getting people on mute because they didn't know how to do it and then parents would shout can you put it on mute please my my kid can't hear you and I'm thinking oh no it it was such now looking back I'm so proud of how the team just tried and literally they just came with me on the journey they they trusted me and I'm really grateful to them for that because it was literally trial and error and sometimes we'd have to have debriefs we'd have to after the session it could be 7 p.m and we'd we'd just stay on zoom when all the students had left and said right what happened there how did how could we improve that lesson plan so that it was more accessible okay I noticed this child had their camera off how can we make sure they're engaged and it was like a work in progress, figuring out how do we do this online thing, but do it the love literacy way and do it to a high standard. So yeah, it was challenging. It was, it was almost like taking away the tools that I'd used and then having to find new tools and having to kind of work out, well, how do I use this tool? How can I use it effectively? It was, you know, it's, it's, it, it felt strange in my hands. But yes, we overcame and I'm really proud of us. Well, uh, well did you have any anxiety going into that field? Oh, major. <laughs> major. I mean, it was so stressful managing all of the students, managing the influx. We had such interest and then to to top it off, because you know only the best for my students, I I I gave my web developer four weeks to create this online learning portal platform, and I mean that was a ridiculous amount of time, far too short. But I said it has to be done. I'm starting the course here, and this is this is what I need. And she did the best she could, and she did an amazing job. But as we began to the course, we realised it wasn't sufficient the way it had been built didn't quite serve our needs. And so I then enlisted a second web developer to do it all again. And I thought it could just be tweaked and it couldn't. It had to be completely built built from scratch. So that was, and again, they did it in record time, maybe, I don't know, five or six weeks. But it's because I knew that I didn't want this provision to be second rate or even to be temporary. Yeah. This provision had to be excellent because our children, our families deserve nothing less. And that's that's commendable. I find it so interesting when people do stuff like that. I do things like that very similar. I, I, but the problem with me is I, I see something and I'm like, ooh, how can that work? Like, I have no idea what it is, but I'm like, but how can that improve my life? How can I improve my workflow? Like for anyone that doesn't know, any of my guests that want to come on, I don't technically book them on. I give them an online diary and they book themselves on. Here I'm telling them that all my deep dark secrets here. But I let you guys book yourself on because I've got other stuff to do the nicest possible way. I've given you my availability. 
You book yourself for them. It tells you all the frequently asked questions you need to know, and it's automated effectively. But I found use for that particular tool. Mm. And I think you did it in a different way because circumstances kind of encourage you to go that way. But you was open enough to look at it and go, right, I'm looking at you dead on. Don't get you. I'm going to tilt my head a little way. I think I can see potential here. I think, can we make it happen? And then you didn't do what I'd, I'd like to say some of the older generation generations might have done, even though we are, <laughs> we are approaching that generation, unfortunately. But you didn't sort of go, oh, that could work and don't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. You still kept going. Even though you had anxiety about it because you sound like you've built this brand up to be as high a standard as it is. I wanted to maintain that. But then you're going into a foreign field and going, <laughs> how do I transfer it from here to there? Never used it in my life. Okay, cool. I've used it twice now. How do I deliver this over here? And on top of that, you've got employees, haven't you? Yes. So you had employees because it was face-to-face service. So you've now got to sell them the idea, the concept, get them to buy into it. And while you're talking, and sorry for assuming this part, you don't even know fully what you're talking about because you say, yeah, we could do it online on Zoom. And someone's probably saying, you can't do it on Zoom yet. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll learn as we go. But they had faith in you for the sounds of it to still go along with you on this yeah and I and I'm grateful to them I think they anybody that really has come on board the love literacy train as I call it I feel that they 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 walk alongside the vision and the purpose and the mission of our service so I always say whether you're a volunteer whether you're paid employee you can't just do it for the money and you can't just do it to put it on your CV. It has to be something that you are genuinely passionate about. You have to care and you have to love what you do. And I I almost put people off of being part of Love Literacy because I want you to seek after it. I don't want to to kind of chase you down because then, you know, I just want them to, to love, to love the work. And I think that's what's unique about our team. They do love the work. They are committed to the work. And yeah, you're right. There were, I mean, I literally put together a training program on how to use Zoom and I need to go back to it because it's probably, probably could be much better, you know, now that I have been doing it for a couple of years, but you're right. Yeah, it was, it was a unique time. And I think what I learned from that season is how to start again. So the standard was here and now we're doing Zoom and we don't know what the standard is, but actually it's okay not to have all the answers. It's okay to work it out so long as you're working it out to the best of your ability. And it's okay to some degree to start again and to even rely on your team. What we used to do is observe one another. So I would jump into someone's lesson and then in our in our WhatsApp group, say, guys, I've just seen Miss Rachel doing this. It's amazing. Let's try it. I've just noticed that Mr. Shea uses the chat room in this in this way, and this is the effect it has on the students. I've just noticed Miss Tracy using a, a, a kind of pen that connects to the laptop to demonstrate how to work out this algebraic equation. And so what we did was fed each other and learn from each other and I think it's so important as a leader as a human being as a parent whoever you are not to be closed to being open and no matter what position you sit in that actually you can learn something from anybody and if you're open to it you can then become better and empower others that sounds really good and very positive was you that positive throughout this whole process not at all. I was highly frustrated many times, particularly during the process of building the website. I mean, I was pulling my hair out proverbially. I just found it difficult to navigate how to communicate what I wanted, 
how to work with this web developer who was overseas. She she used to live here, but had moved overseas. How to how to how to break away actually and and enlist a new web developer because you, you when you build relationships with people, it's difficult to say actually I, I no longer require your services or this this union is no longer you know it no longer serves me. And that was really challenging. That was very, very challenging. Um, I'm grateful for the experience because it taught me how to end things well. That just because our professional working relationship was no longer actually the, our personal relationship, our care for one another didn't need to, to cease or end. And it taught me to, to do what is best for the business and not lead with emotion but to be more pragmatic and think about what I need, what the business needs, and how I can best serve that. And in this instance, it meant no longer using that particular web developer. So yeah, I was very frustrated often because I knew the vision that I had and it wasn't quite coming to fruition. And then moving to web developers then meant I had to get used to a whole new interface and that came with its challenges and the direct contact I'd had with the first developer wasn't the same with the second. You know, you had to send an email, log it in a different way and so that access was different and I had to to really become more tech savvy because the first developer did everything for me but actually didn't empower me and the second developer said, Here's the foundation over to you. And I had to go, right, (laughs) this is different. But actually in the long run, it will serve me. So now I can set up courses on my websites. I can, you know, I I know how to navigate the back end. So I'm now empowered, but it just meant I had to go through a long period of feeling really inadequate, not knowing what I was really doing. And that is really interesting because I think, at least from my perspective, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but for the outside looking in, you look held together, like you've got it down. I'm not ignorant to know there's certain things that you've got flaws. We've all got flaws. But I'm not ignorant to say, oh, my girl ain't got nothing going on like that. She's 100 all the time. That's not the case. But you look that way because you deliver things to such a high standard. But hearing you talk so candidly about, yeah, it was a bit challenging that. Oh gosh, I didn't want to play with that. And what all of that just just is nice it's refreshing to know that I'm not the only one I don't know about my audience but I know I'm not the only one that's going through these things and going through these feelings I do find it interesting when you mentioned about the developer that you're dealing with and you had to part ways professionally on this particular project because I'm Mm -hmm. assuming that because the friendship's still there the relationship's still there there's probably a door open available if another project was to present itself and you felt the skill sets matched them and vice versa, whatever. How did you navigate that situation? Because if that was new to you and it's dealing with someone else, and that again, that's a business need. It wasn't a personal decision as such. It was like, I need to get from A to B because I kind of feel like I can make money off of this, which means if the business can stay, stay, then all the stuff I've worked on, my vision can be realized and you know, I've got staff I've got to pay, I've got bills I've got to maintain paying. How did you approach that situation in regards to, I'm not used to doing this. Oh my gosh, how am I going to navigate this one? I think just initially soul searching. So being really clear on why, why am I frustrated? Why do I feel this way? What is the problem here? Is it a personal issue? Is it a character issue? Is it a personality clash? Okay, is it a business issue? Is it a matter of we're not aligned in terms of our skill set, our our goals, kind of, you know, in terms of business? So a lot of questioning took place, a lot of dialogue with my co-director, Cal, and then an honest conversation. And what was challenging was that, um, 
this particular person's spouse had really has really been good good to me and I didn't want to ever make that family and couple feel as though I wasn't grateful for their goodness and grateful for their mentorship and grateful for their kindness but I think it was just a symptom of running a business and growing up and making tough decisions and it was a tough decision I think it was talking it through rationalizing separating my head from my heart and then being gracious in the way I communicated my concerns and also my decision I think once I'd made the decision the concerns no longer mattered I didn't need to get personal I didn't need to break it down because I I was very clear about the decision that I needed to make so I think it was a process and then just being kind in the execution so what helped you to get that that moment where the penny dropped for you is like I'm there I I can deliver this because I've reached my resolve I think it was needs must I think when you are faced with challenges and you know something has to be done then you have to do it whether it's I'm going to close the service the government are playing around, I'm not sure what they're doing, I'm making this decision. Or whether it's, I, I have to say no to this particular project. Or whether it's, I have to part ways with this business. I think it was just needs must. I think it had got to a point where I, the, as you said, the penny dropped and I thought, this no longer serves me. Did you deal with your frustration in an unhealthy way at all? Yeah, I think initially I was led by emotion. So initially I was frustrated. I was, you know, having inner turmoil. I was having kittens. I was complaining about this that wasn't done and that that wasn't done and this lack of communication. And and then actually I became more reflective and then saw my own flaws see I contacted her out of work at working hours I didn't communicate that particular task as clearly as I could have I didn't we didn't work out a brief before embarking on this project I probably knew that it was a tall order to create this in four weeks and yet I continued with it and so I think as much as I had a lot to say about this particular person, actually, upon reflection, I began to see that there was growth for me to do. Yeah. And would you say you dealt with the other aspect of your business decisions in an unhealthy way, like certain aspects, not saying all of it, just saying times of frustration, you kind of went about in a way that upon reflection you're thinking (laughs) no that's not me Hmm, I need to think about that um I'm sure so I can't think of a, a particular moment now but I'm sure so I mean we've been I've been doing this 10 years so at at some point in fact when we were when I was teaching in in our shed which we transformed to a classroom and we call the learning space it's got whiteboard and everything Uh, that's where we initially were when I used to teach in there I was everything I was the accountant I was the teacher I was the teaching assistant I was the caretaker I was front of house I did the register I took the payments I planned all the lessons I printed the resources I filed that it was it was full-on and and it got to the point where I was losing money because I was literally losing track of who had paid and when. And I must have lost hundreds because I just couldn't do it all. And it got to the point where I thought, I'm going to have to give this up. I literally thought, okay, we need to close doors. And it was at that point that a volunteer came on board and then a paid member of staff came on board and I began to curate a team. But definitely in in those moments, I just... I 
I wasn't going to allow the teaching and learning to suffer. I wasn't going to allow the students to suffer. So I ended up suffering. Yeah. Taking on too much, losing their money, not keeping appropriate records. And that was something that, yeah, I didn't handle extremely well. And another thing I didn't handle very well in the past was when students would leave us. I really, I was heartbroken. I would really, really take it personally and feel that what, you know, that I had failed them in some way because they had moved on. And because I, we become Love Literacy family. So even now, years later, team members that have left us, we still send happy birthday messages. We still catch up with them. They're still part of our community. It doesn't matter that they've moved on. And that's how we feel about our children, our students. So when a parent would say they wanted to leave, my, I, my gut would, oh, I, my heart would sink. And I had to learn that Zara, this is a part of <laughs> the process. Yeah. And there are so many reasons why people leave. And every provision is not for every child. And I've had students that, you know, when I, when I speak to the parents or they have a trial lesson, I say, you know what? There's this teacher in South London who is absolutely fantastic and I recommend your son for her. Or, you know, for some children, it, it just doesn't work. And that's okay. And parents move on and parents' financial circumstances change and parents move area and lots, there are lots of reasons why people move on, but it's okay. And I had to learn to be okay with it because it would really make me quite sad. It sounds like if you're not happy, you're not where I guess you normally are. It means that your family's then robbed of the mum, the wife, friend, the whatever capacity you're in at that moment because you're not in yourself at that time. You're out absent from yourself because you feel like you're missing something. And it's not personal. It's a business transaction that has ceased to continue. And that's okay. But, you know, I, I fully get that. So, Looking back, that was an L in terms of having to close a business down. But what would you now call it if it's not an L? I would call it a rebirth. Nice. I think that now I have two businesses. Nice. So you kept that so you've kept the online aspect of the business going, but yes. it's a separate entity to the face to face. So parents can choose now. Some of my parents who used to be face-to-face -face have just remained online and they're happy with that and they're comfortable. And for me, that's a, a real win because it means they value our online provision. Having had our face-to-face -face service, they value and see the benefits of and fully embrace our online provision. And I love that. And then equally, we have students who left us and would not return until we returned face-to-face. -face. <laughs> uh, we had a young lady just come back today, actually, who, you know, stopped at, at the time the pandemic hit, and she's just come back now. And she, mum just wouldn't have it. She tried an online lesson. She wasn't, <laughs> she didn't like it. So I'm really, I'm really grateful because it, it gave us a second, a second business. And I'm, you know, it's a win-win for us. Well, that's fantastic. So if you were to go back to the time where you was really, really frustrated and really in like the depths of despair, like what would you have gone back to tell yourself knowing now what you wish you knew then? I think I would say that you need to make room for the process because we often look to the destination you know the children say in the car are we there yet you know <laughs> that constant striving for where we're going to be rather than embracing the process and and allowing yourself to learn from it and grow from it in real time you know not rushing ahead or or desperately seeking the next thing but just being present to the process. I, I, I agree with that. 
I've I've told many people, especially being a creative, that I guess I can't deny it. That's what I am. I'm always doing something creative. I've learned to appreciate the process because someone's always going to critique it or I'm going to look back at it and critique it. So I better learn to enjoy the process because that's all I'm going to be doing 99% of the time. Mm. One percent of the time is like, hey, my gosh, look what I made. On to the next one. It's, 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 that's just life. So you talking about, you know, allowing yourself time to grow and to, you know, express, explore the process. Do you think you would have been in a place to accept that? Like if it was said to you in that way, or do you think you'd have to be presented to you in a different format? I don't know, to be honest. I think that hindsight's a wonderful thing. I don't know is the honest answer. I think that sometimes uh, the penny drops in different ways, doesn't it? Sometimes you look back and say, oh, that was a really great piece of advice. And other times you're able to accept it and receive it in the moment. But I do know that I did grow exponentially in that time. And I do know that looking back, I'm very grateful for the process. I'm so happy to hear that. So no, greatly appreciate you going through that. What we're going to do is look at your second L, if you're all right with that. Sure. So your second L is challenges with acquiring new premises. See, this, look at her. She just, for closing down one business, to open up a second business, just to acquire new businesses. Like, I'm telling you, this woman can do everything. She's Wonder Woman. But it's interesting. It's interesting. So you acquired a new premises. Now, is that for your face-to-face business or a third business? Good question. So initially, we were just looking for a a hall to hire, you know, we were at the community centre prior, and it worked well. So we were looking at an alternative. I was on a, a business meeting call and encountered this gentleman who took me to a space in Dagenham to have a look. And it was okay, not quite right for what I think we were trying to do. And then he showed me this massive, I think it's 150 square meter, something crazy premises and said, what about here? And I just initially dismissed it because it just seemed too big. Needed So much work needed to be done. I mean, it was just not in a habitable state, but he kind of left it open and said, you know, this is a great premises consider it and so I did and we ended up acquiring the premises on a on a long lease and transforming the place I mean we turned that place from you know pit to palace in a matter of maybe six weeks or so and once it was safe to do so and once the government had lifted certain restrictions we reopened our face-to-face service reimagined it created this Saturday school provision and it was just incredible I mean I had never considered being you know the a lease owner I'd never considered such an amazing huge space in that time you know as you do I started a CIC (laughs) because I thought, well, what we do is amazing, but ultimately not every parent's going to be able to afford the kind of provision that we offer. Actually, particularly our, what they call ethnic minority groups are certainly not going to be able to access it if they are financially disadvantaged. So, I galvanized a couple of people and we set up this CIC called Love Education. And that's kind of what we acquired the premises under, under that umbrella. And ultimately we had this vision and we still do have this vision to ensure that our disadvantaged black and brown children 
are able to access the quality that we provide, but even if they haven't got the funds, basically. And so, so then we had love literacy, we had the online provision, we had face-to-face and we have this CIC. And over time, the cracks began to form with this um, premises. And I mean that physically, and I also mean that in terms of, we saw that there were some integrity challenges, let's put it that way. And things that were promised were not delivered, things that were agreed never came to fruition. And we had to make a very tough decision about that premises. Now, in the midst of all of that, I had joined a mentoring community, which was absolutely fantastic. A mentoring community where you are mentored by this fantastic couple who are, you know, entrepreneurs and extremely successful. And of all of the mentees, maybe a hundred or so, two were chosen for pro bono legal support. Nice. And I was one of them. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I, I don't, Matt, when I say the legal support that I received probably could have come up to £30,000. And I was chosen to receive this pro bono legal support. Everything from dealing with the premises and liaising with the landlord and the or the owner to looking at our website, making sure that all of the correct documentation on there is is sound. And so this solicitor, this this firm, basically walked with us and supported us in bringing the premises lease to an end. Wow. So we went from having this huge, disgusting, but hugely potent, uh, uh, high potential premises to transforming it to something that was unrecognizable and running our provision from it and becoming landlords ourselves, hiring it to a, a local, lovely local church, hiring it for people's events, hiring it to other organizations, to working out and liaising with a solicitor to be released from our contract. Wow. I'm not going to lie. Sounds like there's so much more involved there. I appreciate, obviously, keep what you need to keep to yourself. It's nice to hear that out of all the people that were there, you were selected and that effectively is you like winning a 30 grand lottery ticket right there. 100%. And uh, people, you know, when, when they heard, which is, I called it an L because when they heard that we were leaving the premises, they were sorry for us. And we said, no, 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 this is a miracle to be released from, I think it might've been a five-year lease. Wow. Yeah. So to be released from a five-year lease, the, the rent, the uh, rental income was, or the rental amount was huge, absolutely huge. And to be released and not to have to pay a penny is, I mean, it's, it's nothing short of a miracle. And how long was you in the premises before you got to the point where you terminated or ended your tenancy? So, oh, that's a good question. So I, we acquired it at the end of September and. 20 we renovated it uh, moved in and started our lessons in the march of 2021 and then we terminated in january 2022 so a little over a year so a little over a year about 15 months or so yeah and we got to the thing is it i celebrate it because yes on paper it's an l but when they the solicitor was doing the negotiation on our, on our behalf, we said, "Look, we're happy to pay some money. You know, we're happy to pay five thousand And he said, "No, let's let's try and keep going." 
And to think that we, we were released at zero, zero pounds, is just a miracle. And then to think that we, we, we ran a four-week summer school there, which wasn't just English and maths. It was English, maths, filmmaking, design technology, movie, a movie day. Uh, we had trips running from there. We did art projects. We, I mean, we did amazing work there. People got to celebrate their loved ones there. We learned so much about business, about contracts, about how to take out loans. I mean, we learned so much that it is it is more of a win than a loss, but on paper it looks like a loss. But we celebrate that time. And when we made the decision to end our time, we didn't, we couldn't end it because we were tied into a legal, legally binding agreement, but we were at peace with that decision and we went all the way with it. And even as we left, you know, we took a selfie and we we stood in the moment, you know, we, we kind of just stood there and planted ourselves there. And literally it was Cow and I who vacated. It was like, leave, you know, moving out of the house, you know, moving home. We vacated with just a, a, a builder friend who helped us with some of the heavy stuff. And we haven't looked back. We embrace that experience and the learning from it, but it's not something that we pine after. But what it's done, Matt, is it's now meant that we don't feel stuck. So even as we're now back at the community centre, there there was a, a, a challenge the other day and I said, I want to be happy here. I want to be comfortable here and I love it here. But if we had to move, we're okay with that. And that's what it's done. It's now meant that it doesn't phase us. We moved once, we can move again. That is really encouraging because I love think a lot of us, when we go through certain things, we're like, oh, I can't deal with this. And one of those things that come to mind is you survived every worst day you've experienced thus far. Keep going. Mm. <laughs> Keep it going. You know, every day you're saying, oh, my gosh, I could just die. I could... Don't get it wrong. Those are just phrases for most parts, but people sometimes feel that way. Mm. It's like, you're still here. All you're doing is putting one foot in front of the other. And you're still here. You're making more progress than if you didn't move at all. And just hearing yourself talk about not, you know, wanting to feel stuck. You you spread your wings. You tried. It didn't work out the way maybe you'd like to have. But the fact of the matter is provisions were made for you. You managed to get it. Do you think you would have found a way to get out the, the agreement? if you wasn't selected? I know that I am loved and considered and I know that because of my faith, I would have found a way of escape. And I know that whether that meant subletting it and letting someone take over the premises and us just being in the background collecting the rent and just navigating that or pushing on our own, I know that we would have found a way out. Because even having the church hire the premises for, I would say, maybe about eight months, that's what kept us afloat. There's no way we could have even managed the time we were there had that church not been there. So that just sounds like you've learned how to be resourceful, to be agile to circumstances that present themselves. And just to know that success comes in multiple different ways. It's not just one route to success. It's various routes to success. And also, Matt, I think it taught me what I want to do and what I don't want to do. Yes, I could be a landlord and I was okay at it, but I don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you know, we managed to transform this premises and hire it out and navigate 
forms and registration and agreements and leases. And I don't want to do that. I can do it, but I don't want to do it. That's not what I'm called to do. That's not what I am passionate about doing. And so what that did was give, gave me a sense of clarity that not everything you can do, you should necessarily do. Well said. Well said. When you were finding out there were cracks appearing, how did you deal with it when it was at its worst for you? How did you help? How did you, in a good way, <laughs> deal with that, if at all? It was very difficult. I mean, we had, Kala and I had some very challenging conversations because he had his reservations about the premises and I didn't share those reservations. And in the long run, we had to come to a point of understanding that mistakes were made, but we're not going to blame one another. It's not, you know, I'm blaming you and you're blaming me. It's we are a team and we are going to do this together. And at the time, it was very difficult because you're having conversations with people or this particular uh, owner and you're thinking, am I, am I, am I delusional? Am I, is something wrong with me? I know that you agreed to this and yet you are backtracking and yet you are denying. And it, it caused me to have kittens. I mean, literally to feel distressed until I realized that mm -mm, this wasn't serving me. It wasn't serving me at all. How do you pick yourself up and just keep going and not fall into a spiral of despair thinking five years, 60 months, I don't see it happening without it costing us an arm and a leg? I think the first thing I did was cease communication with that person. And I only communicated via email. I realized that that person, that the conversations we were having were going nowhere, were frustrating me, were riling me up, were causing me distress, and everything need, needed to be documented. So that was the first thing, cease communication verbally. And then the second thing was deciding not to let it consume me. I think you mentioned earlier, if you're consumed, if you're overwhelmed, if you're stressed, you can't serve your family, you can't be there for your children, you're just like, you're, you're present, but you're not present, you know, you're yeah. absent in mind. So I think I made a decision. I can't let this consume me because then it just takes over and then it wins. And I think the third thing was owning up to my naivety and saying, okay, that's where he got me. That's where I made that mistake. Oh, should have got that in writing. So I think it was being okay with saying, all right, you can be as frustrated with him as you want, but again, you need to own it now. Just like the web developer. Okay, but you made some mistakes here. Oh, that could have been done better. That He could have thought that through. And really that became quite empowering. So understanding what part you played or what role you played in this situation becoming or manifesting itself and it not being necessarily a bad thing because you're learning from it and going, well, did I contribute to it? Yeah, I did. Did I give them the fuel to add to the fire? Kind of did. And then also recognising that you can recover what you've lost. You can recover. So long as you have life, so long as you have the ability to earn, the ability to produce, you can, anything you've lost, you can recover. Very true. And would you say that everything you lose is technically a loss in that instance? Well, no, absolutely. Because what we gained was so, oh, I mean, it was so valuable, so rich, so plentiful. But even still, even if you have lost, you know, lost finances, you know, you can recover it. It's, it's just money. 
very true. And I think as well, what some of us fail to realise is that when we spend money on something and then it doesn't go the way you want it to go and then we're like, oh, I've got to sell it or do whatever and part ways, you could have paid that same money to a seminar, listen to yeah. someone talk, you switch off halfway through it and they're telling you their lived experience. But you've just now learned that same experience but in a very different way that now you're going to treasure. It's going to be a scar in your life now because every time you look back, you go, I got that for that war that I went through. And almost a badge of honor. Yeah. You know, like, are you really an entrepreneur if you've not made a huge mistake and learned from it? You know, like every, that becomes part of your story that you had this premises and you invested this money and you managed to be released from it early and you paid not one penny back. You know, that becomes part of your story and that becomes hopefully something that then inspires others to learn from your mistakes, but also to be inspired to take chances and to go for it. And that's true. And I, I guess that just emphasizes again why I like the concept of this podcast. I'm trying not to blow my horn, but <laughs> I, always, I always kind of look at it from the outside looking in because even though I host it, it's it's a passion project for me. I just like, you know, I haven't done one episode where it's just me. Maybe by the time it's released, I might have done an episode with myself. But other than that, it's for other people. It's for other people to benefit from. And that's in theory what's happening. All of the, all of my guests, you included, are telling me things that have gone in, gone on in your life, and it just didn't go the way you would have liked to have gone at that time. And how you processed it, how you dealt with it, the impact it had on the people around you, and so forth. And then arriving to the point where it wasn't an L, you know. Okay, at the time it was an L. Holding that, looking back, that's my badge of honor because if I didn't go through that. I wouldn't be the version of myself I am today who's still willing to learn and grow and know that I haven't fully arrived at my destination. I've still got a way to go. Absolutely. And it's okay to not fully be there just yet. It's part of the process, as you've alluded to before, and that we've just got to give ourselves space for it. Would What would you say to yourself, your younger self, again, when you was at that boiling point because things didn't happen the way they should have done? You know, things were said and they weren't documented and, you're, try, you're trying to hold it down. You're trying not to go finding their personal address and <laughs> threatening them and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would see them on social media and think, if I was a troll, <laughs> <laughs> you just you just lied to me and then started celebrating on social media. If I was a troll, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, so what would you, so going back to that time where you was at boiling point, what would you have said to yourself to kind of go, we need to let some of this steam out in a healthy way. Let's not, no, let's not explode. I think I would say that you are, you are going another level. You are going to another level. And this painful part of your life's journey is necessary. Growing pains. Growing pains. Love it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And I don't mean in like, oh, your empire is expanding. I don't mean, oh, you're going to make loads and loads of money now. I mean, your capacity, your ability to dream beyond, your, your reach, your understanding that's what is growing and being stretched and being challenged. And that's why this is necessary. Yeah. I think I've said it on multiple episodes before, a phrase that I hold to to my heart and I can't remember where I found it, but I think I've adopted it from one of my son's books. And it's nothing about a caterpillar tell you it's going to be a butterfly. And I just love that because you look at your life, you look at the situation you're in, you're like, nah, yeah, no. and then. You look at the other side and think, never thought this would have been my outcome. Honestly, didn't think this would be my new reality. And it's that hope. I always tell people when they're feeling low in despair and all they see is darkness around them. I said, don't get it wrong. It's horrible. I've been there. But you got to remember, you need a light source to be able to cast a shadow. Mm. So all you got to do is keep going until you find that light source and you'll be all right. It's, it's it's part of life. We have seasons. We go from all. And it's so easy for me from the outside looking in to use my head 
being in it. <laughs> Those feelings just running ravage. Mutiny is going on right there. <laughs> but it's okay to feel feelings. It's okay to have bad days, have not so pleasant reaction to certain situations. We are human. We are fallible. It is, it is the known thing. Yeah. But I think it's coming to realisation that we don't have control over a thing. One thing that does cause me anxiety, I'll be 100% honest with it, is I like to feel I'm in control of certain situations. And then when you have a child and you're responsible for them and they say, oh, can I do this? And you know that, right, I can I control this amount of stuff. When I say control, I mean very limited mean. control. But I can control this area of things. And then you're thinking, well, what if I could control further afield? I was getting tired just thinking about having that level of responsibility, thinking, oh, I don't want to ask a friend to be his friend and they say no and then it becomes oh what if I could control that and it's like you know what I just gotta let him live his life and that's where it's got to the point where I can't live my son's life and I don't want to live my son's life or any of my children's life I then don't want to live a future version of myself's life so do you know what let me do me now and whatever comes at the other side of it we'll deal with that it's mm. so for me it's taught me to be present and hearing you talk about your lived experiences and what you've got from them further cements things such as enjoy the process and allow yourself the time to sort of just feel and just be there and to learn from what you go through. Wear that, wear that scar with a badge of honor. Hold that L and go. And you know, you, you can't you can't achieve great things if you don't cop L's along the ways. It's just not a thing, right? Mm. And I think that is a beautiful story to see that uh, how people, well, what's that phrase? I've never met a strong person with an easy pass. And I think mm. your your situation just highlights that perfectly alongside other people's. Honestly, I could talk to you for so much longer, but I'm mindful of time. So I'm going to leave you as much time as you feel you need to selfishly plug you and your numerous businesses <laughs> and where people can find you on social. Thank you so much. Well, Love Literacy really speaks for itself. We have a love and a passion and, and a desire to see children, young people and adults thrive. And we want them to be literate, be competent young people and adults to be able to contribute to the world to make a difference and to live well and we really believe that education is the bedrock and the foundation for that to happen and so if you are a parent or an educator who thinks yeah I could my child or my student could benefit from intervention then I would I would implore you to consider us. We have online classes and face-to-face -face classes. We are truly passionate about the work we do. We care about the children, the young people and adults that we work with. And we really believe in being a village. It takes a village to raise a child. And we partner with you in becoming the village, villagers that will help you in this season of your children's development. And so we are at love-literacy.com. So you are welcome to check us out. We have a range of teachers and support assistants who really do do a phenomenal job. We also have a CIC, Love Education. If you are an entrepreneur, if you are a philanthropist who would be interested in sponsoring a young person, then please do contact us. We have sponsors. We have young adults in the community who remain anonymous, but they do donate and give to make sure that no child is left behind and that our children can thrive and succeed. And finally, we run a, a free complimentary provision called the Creative Hour. And that's really just one hour on a Saturday where children can express themselves in a creative way. So we've had drama practitioners, we've had chefs, we've had personal trainers, we've had nurses come and donate their time just for, for perhaps one or two sessions to really inspiring our children, teaching them, doing workshops and fun activities, but enhancing their broader education because we know that it's not just maths and English that our children need, but they need 
to be skilled up in a range of areas. So that's us, love-literacy.com. We're also on social media, Instagram, Facebook. I think it's Love Literacy LTD. So do find us and please support the work that we do, even if it's a like, a share, a follow, because it really does help to amplify the work that we do. And Matt, thank you for having me on. I've really appreciated our talk. No, much appreciated. I'm honoured to have you as a guest on here. So everyone, I will put all the details in the show notes. So feel free to peruse them, click on them, engage with them, because you never know, there might be someone in your circle of people who might benefit from this, whether it be a child or an adult. And sometimes they might feel a certain way searching it up and it'd be on their browser history. Sounds silly, but you don't know what really goes on in people's homes and stuff like that so definitely give them a shout i'm not to plug them because i know them individually i say it because the standards that they deliver are a second to none so just share it engage be amazing and while you're at it please drop a like on this podcast please share this podcast so other people get to hear the wonderful stories that people are sharing and just rate and review it some feedback would be great because in my head i'm like oh my gosh they're amazing but I'm going to believe they're amazing because no one's told me otherwise. (laughs) But thank you very much, Zara, for coming on. It's been greatly appreciated. I love your honesty, your openness. I've learned a lot more about you and your business because obviously I look at it from a distance because I appreciate you're busy, I'm busy. That's just life. But I think people would have learned a lot more from someone if they're looking at you and whoever else is involved in Lovelit Sheet, like myself and outside looking in going, They've always got it together. But then to hear what now happened and you still wore a smile and, oh, my gosh, you're human, that is the win that I'm hoping that everyone gets from it. It's okay to cop an L, but as you said it so eloquently, wear it like a badge. Wear it like a badge. So thank you very much for coming on. I cannot thank you enough for everything you shared. And I'm sure at some point I'll grab your husband. Yeah, at some point. He's so busy at the moment, but definitely. (laughs) Not to wait. Well, thank you very much for your time. And to everyone else, this is just a reminder, every year is not a loss. And your now is not your forever. Enjoy yourself and catch you in the next episode. Podcast.